Summerlee was sitting in the back seat with her daughter, Izzy, who had been recently diagnosed with 22Q. Her and her husband were driving to another doctor's appointment, and they were feeling exhausted, tired, and confused about everything that was being thrown at them. And in that moment, they decided to create a place, a blog, and a website for other parents to learn about 22Q and not feel so isolated. This was the beginning of the 22QT.com idea, and I am so honored to introduce you to Summerlee. Welcome to the 22Q Podcast. My name is Becky White, and today I am thrilled to have Summerlee here with us. She is a mom and an advocate, a very new mom, and her story is very unique in the sense that after she had her daughter, she created a blog post and a website to raise awareness around 22Q. And Summerlee, thank you so much for being on and please yes. tell us about yourself. Thank you for having me. Um, yes, I am Summerlee. Um, I am a mom of three. So I have two boys and then our Izzy. The boys are both seven. One is biologically mine and then um, the other is biologically my partner's. And then we have Izzy together, but we all live here full-time together. So it's a crazy household, but I am a licensed school counselor. I'm lucky though this year I'm working from home. So the flexibility that that allows me to do everything I need to do with Izzy for her medical appointments um, is wonderful. So that's a huge blessing. Yeah, that's me in a nutshell. That's great. And tell us, you know, tell us about Izzy. Tell us about your journey with 22Q. So Izzy is a year and a half now. She was born July 1st, 2021. My pregnancy was pretty typical. They had me do some extra testing just because I was like at the 30 threshold, 30 year old threshold. And at one point they did find an abnormality um, on the ultrasound on her heart. However, we went and saw a specialist multiple times and they ended up ruling everything out and telling us that everything was okay. 2020 hindsight, they were only looking for Down syndrome. So we were nervous and scared at the first, like hearing about that, but then totally relieved thinking everything was okay. We had our daughter C-section, but it was scheduled like no, no complications. And we brought her home and she was perfect and adorable. And then about, oh, four to five days of having her home, like we would hold her and the seizure would happen. And it started small and gradually got larger as, as a couple of days went on. And finally, uh, at one point I was holding her in the living room and she had a big one and I recorded it. So called the doctor. Um, we went to her pediatrician who right away sent us to neurology at Akron Children's Hospital. We thought we would be there for like maybe a couple hours of testing and I mean, we didn't want a seizure disorder, but that's what we thought we were go going in for. And we ended up there for 18 days. And in that time, she had loads of testing done and amongst other procedures and, and labs and everything else. But at one point, they brought in a geneticist. She asked about the seizures and that kind of triggered her brain to point to 22Q and no one had 
said those words before. And so we had no idea what she was talking about, but they did a chromosomal microarray blood test on her and it, it came back positive. And that was, you know, days into already being at the hospital. So she's seizing. Yes. You take her to the hospital. They start doing tests. What were the initial thoughts? Had you ever heard of 22Q prior to Izzy? No, we had never heard of 22Q. And to be honest, the only person at the hospital who seemed to have heard of 22Q, like that actual terminology, the 22Q.11 was the geneticist. Now, when people started bringing up the term DeGeorge, we had other doctors know a little bit about what was going on in their specialty area in regards to DeGeorge. But she, our geneticist, who I'm, I love dearly, she was very clear on the differences between 22Q and DeGeorge, which Izzy does fall into both because she has immune deficiency. That's part of her health. We had no, we had never heard of 22Q. And when we started Googling, I wish I had stopped. <laughs> I, because we didn't really have answers for Izzy specific 22Q at that point. So what we were reading, like at one point, Sterling, Sterling is her dad. At one point he was like, you got to put the phone down. Like it's going to, it's going to drive us insane. So no, we had never heard of it. And that was scary. Right. And as you're in the hospital for those 18 days, what were they? Yes. Yeah, so she had a lot going on. She was on, they put her on feeding tubes. She had breathing difficulties. So she, you know, her oxygen levels, she was desatting at all time, all the time. Actually at, at one point she coded. And so that was horrific. She is very, we are very fortunate because her heart is built completely backwards, but it functions typical. Wow. So she does not see a cardiologist at this time, which is huge. She has 11 specialists, but one is not a cardiologist. Let's see. She has endocrinologist. So they were checking her calcium and phosphorus and parathyroid hormone, which were all off which the calcium and phosphorus caused the seizures, which is what we had learned. She saw GI and nutrition because, uh, well, and speech actually, GI nutrition and speech. Um, we're testing her swallow and her reflux and her, her bowels. Obviously the geneticist was doing her blood work. Immunology came because of her low T cell count. So they were checking her T cells, but also whenever she would have, like she had two spinal taps back to back, which wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. And immunology had to get involved at that point because they were worried then that she had an infection. It's bad for anybody, but especially if you don't have the immune system to properly. Right. Um, neurology was obviously involved and she had more EKGs than I can even recall. And then I think the last one at that point at the hospital, she had, um, a plastic surgeon who we still see because she was born with a smaller than typical jaw, but we are also very thankful because within the past couple of months, it, it has started to grow. And so now it's measuring neutral and we wow. at this time, no longer have to um, worry about any surgeries there. So wow, that's great. She never went, underwent like an operation at the hospital, but she underwent multiple like um, testing and procedures, whether it was, you know, the spinal taps or the blood draws or the EKGs or the swallow studies, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And with the feeding tube, what was happening there? 
So she couldn't keep anything down and they didn't know whether it was a reflux issue or if there was something wrong with like her esophagus or her trachea or something like that. Um, so she was tested for all of that. And thankfully there was, there was nothing there and her swallow study showed normal responses. So we think it was just, she's very small. So we think everything inside of her is also very small. And so it was just hard for her to, to swallow and keep things down. But she was on like three different feeding tubes and she, she is mighty. She, and she was little, but she was pulling them out. And so they had to keep replacing them. Um, but that was ultimately our goal was they were going to release us from the hospital once she proved she could eat off of the feeding tube, which she did on day 17. So day 18, we were like, we got to go. <laughs> wow. So yeah. what day was it when the geneticist finally made the distinction that she had 22Q? Um, it was July 22nd. Wow. You know, the we day the confirmed results. Yes. Wow. And she went in on July 13th. So day nine. Yeah. Wow. And when you got that diagnosis and all of this is happening, what was your initial reaction? Initial reaction was denial. And then that came and went pretty quickly. And so then my initial reaction was fear um, and anger, but that was, mm -hmm. that was for lots of reasons. So, right. What were some of those reasons? Oh, I was just like angry that, but that God would like bring a child into this world and who was going to have to face challenges. Like that didn't make sense to me. And I was angry with how things were going at the hospital, to be honest, because nobody had answers for us. Um, every, like, and like I said, I love our geneticist and she printed out papers and everything for education purposes for her dad and I, but to be honest, like we were our own resource. So everything that almost everything that we know about our daughter and about 22 cues from our own research, that was, um, frustrating, yeah. which I guess turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Cause now we're helping trying to help others, but yeah. So how is Izzy doing now? Izzy's doing wonderful now. She has, I think I mentioned she has 11 specialists plus her pediatrician. Um, but her appointments with her specialists are so much more spaced out now because at one point, I mean, we were going every day to see somebody and she was getting labs drawn every week, which has caused very early doctor anxiety, which is, it's a lot to handle, especially with like a one and a half year old when I can't reason with her. That has been challenging. What will she do when she finds out she's going to the doctors? So it literally, when we walk into the door, she starts crying. She will cry the entire time that she's on the table or even like sometimes even if I'm holding her, depending on which doctor we're seeing. And obviously if, if there's labs involved. And as soon as that visit is over and we leave the door, she stops. She's very smart. Yeah. <laughs> um, her understanding and comprehension is excellent. Her dad and I might be biased, but we think it's excellent. She has just kind of learned that fear, unfortunately, which I, I hope goes away, but I know it's, it's a lot on us. It's a lot on her still getting labs, but day-to-day -day routine is, you know, she eats fine. Uh, she drinks fine. She, I mean, she loves eating and drinking. She spends the days with her grandparents while her dad and I work. And 
We take the time we need to take her to her appointments whenever they may be. And so right now we have very few concerns compared to where we were like a year ago, which is amazing. I'm so glad to hear that. Yes. It it breaks my heart hearing that she's having trauma. Yes. And I always say when, when we go to any doctor really, and she's like losing it, I tell them she has doctor anxiety and they look at me like, okay, lady, she's a year and a half old. Like she's just crying because of her age. I'm like, no, it's, it's true. Like she sees you, she sees what you, what you have in your hands and she's putting two and two together because she's been through so much. She's been through so much. She has trauma. She's remembering everything. Yes. I'm like, she, and I think I wrote in one of my posts a long time ago, you know, she has been through more in her short little life than most people would go through in their entire life. And she's so lucky to have you as her advocate because it's true. Our children go through so much and it's very easy to forget how much they've had to endure in those first couple of years of life. And, and she's still very young. And the fact that she's already picking up on where she is and, and recognizing signs of, oh my goodness, this is the place where I've had to do an EKG before. I didn't like that. So I'm going to cry. So uh, what has been helpful for you in those situations? Has there been anything that can maybe calm her down or talk her through before going to an appointment? Not really, but I guess what gets us through is this, the doctors that she sees her dad and I actually like hand selected them because we were at Akron Children's for so long for those like three weeks, we got to meet a lot of people within each specialty area. When it came down to moving from inpatient to outpatient, we learned very quickly, obviously, that advocating was huge. So it was my whole intention to tell them which doctor we would be seeing. Um, That was important to me. That was important to us. And because of that, and because of the doctors we have chosen to work with, I feel like our rapport is very strong and the doctors get it and they understand and they love Izzy. And so what gets us through those appointments is we make them fast. We do what we need to do and we're done. They know that she doesn't want to be there. You know, they don't want to torture her, obviously. Do you remember or recall the first time you really spoke up for her, maybe in the hospital or at a doctor's appointment? Uh, Yes. So at the hospital, I was very vocal. I think like to a point where probably the nurses were like fighting over who didn't come to our room. Like, uh, But I was also, you know, and I said, this is a very delicate situation, you know, being on the other side, like put yourself in our shoes. This is your, at that time, you know, two week old daughter, two week old baby. And when she coded, we truly thought like, we're, we're not leaving here with a baby, you know, I would say probably from that point on, although it may have been even earlier than, than the coding during their rounds, they would talk like amongst themselves, really outside of the door. And so we made it a point to be a part of the rounds. I had my notes on my phone and every single day, I wrote down what they were discussing um, and then what the follow-ups would be. And if that changed, then you have to come in and have a conversation with us about the change because that didn't always happen at the beginning. Things were just 
on their schedule and their time. And I'm sure what everything that needed to happen, probably there's some questionable moments as well, but that was my thing. Like if, if there's a change in your schedule with my daughter, then I'm the person you talk to before that change happens. Right. Yeah. And then her dad, Sterling, he's much um, less vocal than I am. He has more patience in that area, but it came to a point where, and it was during one of the rounds where he like stood up and I was like, oh, you're about to, you're about to hear the wrath now. And he was, you know, on one where he was like, we're switching hospitals, we're switching providers. And ultimately we didn't do that. And we found the people that work wonderful with us. Um, but it, it came to a point of like, you, you cannot have a conversation and, you know, for the, how the day is going to go or how the week is going to go without including us. Absolutely. It's very hard to be an advocate, especially when you're in the hospital for more than three days. And once you pass that three day mark, I don't know about you, but I know that I turned into a protective mom that just wanted answers and to make sure that these poking and prodding and blood tests and EKGs and x-rays were completely necessary because I just couldn't take it anymore. Did you have the same feeling? Absolutely. There was one point where I, I mentioned how she had the back-to-back spinal taps and that was actually medical error because they forgot to collect something the first time the tubes were left on the counter. Um, and her dad during the spinal tap procedures had left to get our boys. Um, and so I was there by myself and they had put me obviously in a different room because I couldn't be in the sterile room. And it was taking so long. And I just had this thought, and this was during the first one. And I just had this thought, like something is wrong. Like it, no one's coming out to talk to me, but something is not right. This should be over. And I went to the secretary's desk and where Izzy's room was from the secretary desk, I could see the windows, but they had closed the curtains. And I said, like, I'm, I'm going in there so they can either do it with me in there or they can stop the procedure because something isn't right. This doesn't, it does not take this long to do a spinal tap who then told me that they were going to stop. I could enter. And then I heard whispering amongst staff members and I saw uh, who I just knew was in charge of somebody because of the way that she was dressed and the way she was pointing and talking and, but no one was talking to me. And I was just like, okay, stop. What's going on? They told me there was a mess up. They had to do a second spinal tap. And I, I lost my cool. Um, and, and just like you said, the, po- like the poking and the prodding, like this is, a delicate baby. I know you do stuff like this all the time. Same thing with IVs, you know, like I understand you do IVs all of the time, but she's a baby. She's my baby. Her veins are very little because everything about her is very little. And we have asked and it's like in, in this category of the IVs, we asked over and over for a specialty team where they, you know, bring in the lights and do their magic and they get it done. And a nurse denied us saying that they didn't have that. And we knew that wasn't true. Um, And so we told them you will not do any more IVs until you bring in the the magicians who get, who get the work done in a timely manner. 
and they didn't agree with our, you know, stopping them from trying to, you know, find the vein and do whatever they were doing. But we put our foot down, like you, you can't keep poking her. You cannot do that. So they brought in their specialty team and guess what? Got it in the first try. Yeah. We had the same thing at Boston children's sitting there watching it happen. And then eventually you're just like you, something happens as a parent and caregiver. You're just like, no, stop. Yes. And And we were also very lucky because some of the medical staff became advocates with us in regards to other medical staff, if that makes sense. So they actually were going to do a third spinal tap. And as they were prepping her because of issues that were going on, we kept saying like, I, I don't think this should be happening. You know, can we give it 24 hours? I don't know. Or can we not do it at all? Like, is this absolutely necessary? Like you had mentioned and thank God her neurologist who I adore came in and stopped them and said like, absolutely not. You wouldn't do this on an adult. You're not doing it on, on an infant. And it's not absolutely necessary at this point. So that's when I hand selected him as our neurologist for outpatient. Um, And we had some nurses too, who my nurses, there was five of them. I wrote them thank you notes when we left because they were like angels on earth. And every single day I knew, I knew their schedules. And so I would give the charge nurse who we would be seeing. um, And, and they accommodated that. Thank goodness. Um, And those nurses became our advocates as well. And that was very helpful knowing we had people on our side within the hospital as well. It's so true. They are angels on earth. And I want to make it clear that I'm, we are not bashing medical professionals. No, not at all. We love them. We need them. They are so important and they deal with an array of parents. I'm sure that don't give them the respect that they deserve but it, we're talking about more advocacy for your child, especially when they're brand new um, yes. and how hard it is for us as parents to find that voice in a proper way to um, Absolutely. support. And I am so thankful for the doctors that we have found that continue to work with Izzy. How is she doing now? What is she like? What is, what are some of her quirks, you know, and then maybe what are some of her things she's working on? Like P- PT speech. What, how, how is she? Give us a picture of so, who she is. So she is, like I said, um, she's petite, but she is small, but mighty in many ways. Um, she is vocal. She doesn't have words, but she's vocal and non-vocal with what she wants and she will get what she wants. Her understanding and comprehension of how her dad and I talk to her is out of this world. Like she fully knows how to answer questions using her nonverbal skills. She loves Mickey and Minnie. She loves uh, learning from Miss Rachel, which is this YouTube sensation that we found. She is a, she does work with a developmental, developmental specialist from Help Me Grow because she is, she was delayed a little bit in her crawling. Now she's delayed a little bit in her walking. Um, She does always meet her milestones just a few months behind. We also were working with speech therapy, but that was for feeding. Um, She graduated from speech therapy and nutrition at the end of 2022. So if we do see speech delays, in the near future or the future, wherever the, wherever it may fall. Um, she will continue working with help me grow in that regard. And they also have a speech therapist on, on deck for us, um, with her plastic surgeon team, if we need that. 
you know, and, and now knowing that it's 22Q, you can definitely learn and find things that in our community tend to happen and may or may not happen and look for them. But I would love for you to share more about when you came up with the concept for your website and share my 22Q tea with us. And, you know, tell me how you came up with the idea. Okay. So Izzy was born in July, 2021, uh, diagnosed July 22nd, 2021. And in September, her dad and I were driving to an outpatient visit at Akron Children's. And we just like any other car ride, having conversation. And I was sitting in the back with her um, because she couldn't do car rides very well because of her breathing and um, because of her breathing, breathing difficulties. So anyways, I was sitting in the back with her and he was driving and just like randomly, one of us said, like, this sucks. (laughs) Like that was, that was just the blanket statement. And I said, I wish I could like help other parents because no one should, you know, be in a situation or feel like, you know, feel like this, but but these situations exist and these feelings exist. And he said something like, oh, well, you're really good at writing. So what if you, you know, started a blog? And I was like, oh yeah, I kind of like that idea. And literally from that conversation, he, he is much more technical than I am. So he helped me in getting the website up and everything that we needed. But I started writing from the notes that I took at the hospital. And I was very detailed with my notes. So I knew exactly what happened on every day. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start by sharing our story of the 18 days in the hospital. And I'm going to, you know, put out a blog post and see if, if it, if it's helpful for anybody start sharing those blog posts turned into starting this whole website called my 22 cutie. We went live with the website in well, this is our one year mark. So in January of 2022, people from all over were so supportive because at that point we had not even shared her diagnosis except for with our immediate family. We kind of had this battle actually this, but between us, like, do we share with the, you know, with others, her diagnosis, because we don't want it to be used as, you know, an excuse or, or, you know, something that people like maybe look down on her for, and we don't want to, to do that to her, but in the same sense to to us, it was extremely important that the word get out there about this diagnosis, because it's really not as rare as people think it is. You may never heard of 22Q, but it's the second most prevalent genetic disorder, second down from Down syndrome. We taught ourselves everything we needed to know. We wanted to raise awareness for it. We wanted to help other families and um, individuals who may be in the same situation. And we also wanted to pay it forward because the people who helped us have changed our lives for the better um, and have made what seemed like an impossible situation possible. And so, yes, we started My 22 Cutie. We share Izzy's journey. We share the facts about the 22Q diagnosis from all spectrums of wherever you may lie. It's the whole 22Q diagnosis. Um, And and we also raise funds for the genetics division of Akron Children's Hospital. So our mission has the three points. So our mission is to raise awareness for 22Q to... um, 
pay it forward and to help families cope and find understanding. I love that. Thank you. Because honestly, in my first year, I could have never have thought of starting a website and a blog. I, 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 for me, I was in deep denial, depression Mm -hmm. because I was trying to navigate this world as we all do as 22Q parents. Mm-hmm. we felt like we were alone, my husband and I, okay. and we've had those conversations of this sucks. You yeah. know, I, I hate that our son has to suffer through this. I hate that, you know, he can't enjoy just being a baby. So I, I hear you. And, yes. and you I, know, it was, I think what got, what like got it really set in stone and going was the writing of everything that happened became extremely therapeutic for me. So I, I don't love what happened by any means, but I do love sharing it because I do think it is helpful and it's helpful for others and it's helpful for myself. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. The, writing is extremely therapeutic, especially yeah. when you're going through something so traumatic and it's almost hard for your brain to comprehend what is going on until you get it down on paper mm-hmm. to try to figure out what's going on or, or in the computer. And from starting this amazing website, have you had any encounters that made you smile or made you just say, wow, we're reaching people. Have you had any of those moments? Yes. So, you know, obviously our family and friends have been extremely supportive throughout all of it. You know, peers from our past and present will contact us and be like, you know, oh my gosh, how can I help? Yada, yada. But also we have had individuals from other countries and across the United States reach out to us via social media. And all of them have been parents of um, young ones with 22Q, except one person was an adult with 22Q. They have reached out and either thanked us for sharing the stories, you know, told us that we're inspirations or that Izzy is an inspiration to what they're going through. Um, And I have been able to have one-on-one conversations with parents of newborns who have just been recently diagnosed. And I have been able to share with them my experience um, and answer their specific questions, which has just been really cool to know that, you know, it's not just my mom and dad going on my website and reading all the posts, but like it's international, which is feels awesome that we're helping others, even in just like the words that we write. So you're achieving your goal of just being able to help a community. It's become my sole passion to raise awareness for 22Q. That's so amazing. How much have you changed in the past year and a half from all of this? I would say that I, that Izzy has taught me to not live within a bubble and to like truly make every moment count because you never know what's going to happen. I am more understanding of all people was the unknown and guilt. We, you know, through our research learned that 90% of the time this diagnosis is, is random. It does, it's not caused by anything. We did, we did not get blood testing done, but you know, we have two typical boys. And so we believe that we're in that 90% of it just being a random, random cause. But that was very hard for myself to not blame myself because I was the one carrying her. So I, I dealt with 
with that challenge of feeling guilty. And like I said, the unknown, because at that time I felt like no one was giving us answers, or at least no one was giving me answers I wanted. (laughs) Now I would say the challenge that I face is not thinking about the future. If I think too much into the future and focus on little things that worry me, then that will just, just, that's just going to destroy that everything that's going to destroy me, her, it all. And so, you know, like I said, staying in the moment and focusing on the small wins, like, you know, her taking two steps unassisted is, is small, but mighty just like her. So I would say that's my biggest challenge now navigating is not thinking about the future, but I'm also very aware of that challenge. And so I try very hard, um, to live how I live, how I want and how I preach. (laughs) Right. It's so hard, even with anybody that has a typical kid, it's so hard to think about the future or what that's going to look like. And especially for our kiddos that have 22 Q it's, there's so many diagnoses. There's 180 different things that could happen. And within each specialty, there are tons of different things that could happen, whether it's genetics or endocrine or growth, so many, and it can be paralyzing if you And in the hospital it was, and it, it took time, but I, I don't feel paralyzed by that anymore, which is a very freeing feeling. Good. And what, you know, if you could go back in time to when you started your journey Mm -hmm. and when you, let's say when you're in that hospital, she's been seizing and you could go back in time into that room, what would you tell yourself in that moment? Um, I would tell myself she's going to surprise you is not as scary of a world as it seems right now. And it is so important to focus on your individual child's diagnosis. We as a community obviously are here to support everyone with 22Q or parents of 22Q or whatever the case may be, but every individual with 22Q is a unique diagnosis. Not one person is the same. And I, I just would tell myself that Izzy's diagnosis and what her path needs to be is what is prominent. Um, but like I said, she's going to surprise you and no need to worry mama, because she's got this, even if you don't, they are so strong, right? My son is very similar. Like he's the strongest person I know. I, Oh yes. It's like in all ways. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, I love that. And what, and any advice for parents listening that are maybe just got the diagnosis yesterday, what sort of advice would you give them? That same advice, like find a support system. One that's, that's huge. If you don't have your own support system, reach out because there's people like you and I, who, you know, I would love to be someone's support system if they needed me. Um, but also, like I said, focus on your individual child's diagnosis, because it, it can be very overwhelming to, you know, try and read things from the whole spectrum. So, so focus on what they need and ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to advocate and stand up for yourself and your child, because whether they don't have a voice yet, or they can't have a voice, you need to be that voice. And you can find people who will be that voice with you or for you if, if you're not ready to take that, but. That's great. Great advice. And for someday 
when she listens to this, what would yeah. you want her to know? Oh, well, I'm going to cry. Just that she has changed my life for the better. And I'm very thankful for her. And she's very strong. She can get through anything. She can get through anything, especially with you by her side. So thank you. I want to thank you so much for sharing and keep going. You're doing yes. great work and you are making yep. a difference. And for anyone that wants to check out the website, it will be in the description of this podcast and reach out to Summerlee and her family. And, and I hope we stay in touch as well. And if there's anything we can do to help, let me know, but thank you again for having the strength to do this and yeah, we wish me. you nothing but the best of luck. Is there anything else you wanted to mention that I may not have touched upon? I, a quick shout out to the 22Q Family Foundation, because through all of our ups and downs, um, I have used them as a, as a resource um, for support. And whether it's just going on their Instagram and reading a similar story to Izzy's, they have been very helpful. They put on a wonderful conference that my sister and I attended in Columbus. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful that there's there's other people out there um, doing the work for 22Q. So mm -hmm. we love the family foundation. So thanks for mentioning them. We'll definitely yeah. put them in the podcast too, <laughs> but thank you again, Summerly. It was such a joy meeting you and I hope this isn't the last time we'll meet, but thank yeah. you again for everything. Thank you. Summerly, thank you so much for sharing Izzy with me today. And I am just blown away by your passion and drive towards the 22Q community. And it truly is inspiring. So keep going. Good luck with the website. And if there's anything the 22Q podcast can do to help, please let me know. And for all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening and sharing this podcast. If you'd like to reach me, you can contact me at 22qpodcast at gmail.com with any questions, or if you're interested in being on this podcast, please feel free to reach out. And never forget, 22Q family, that you are not alone.